Okay, so today's message is the final one in the Joy of the Lord series. It's part seven, which feels like the right amount of numbers to do. And um, so uh, Nehemiah 8 verse 10 has been our theme verse for the past seven messages. This is it here. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy some food and sweet drinks. And let's just finish there, because that's good. <laughs> and send some to those who have not pre- nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I hope, having done this seven times now, that you will just have it ingrained in you. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Get it in you. Shouldn't we be a generation that knows our word? You know, we need to be a generation that knows our word. It's in us. So turn to the person next to you and say, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. And turn to the person on the other side and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's get it in us. Let's get it in us. We've looked at hindrances to joy, and there are many. We've looked at the source of joy. We've looked at enjoying being you. We've looked at joy that comes through generosity and giving. So today, I want to finish it off with decisions that you can make which will promote joy in your life. So I've called it, do the right thing. No, they don't get any better than that. Let me create a platform, because I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go with it. I want to talk about healthy boundaries that lead to thankfulness, that lead you to making a decision to do the right thing, which leads to joy. So let me create a platform out of boundaries. Give me a wave if you think boundaries are a good thing. Awesome. Love that. What What a holy church we are. Just consider life without any boundaries. For instance, I love my football. Imagine football without any boundaries. So no lines, no referee, no whistle. Just two goals, as many players as you want, because there's no boundaries, and let's just go and see what happens. There will be lumps kicked out of each other, fights. It would all deteriorate because there are no boundaries. Uh, My understanding is football started off with villages kicking like a pig's bladder around from one town to the next, and it was just like the longest game ever. But praise God, they just developed some boundaries around the game. Uh, How about society functions better with boundaries? Can you imagine no boundaries? Has anyone watched... um, What's what's that film I watched? It was horrendous. Uh, I can't remember now. It's a film where for one full 12-hour period in America, they have no rules. The Purge. Look at you lot. So you're not that holy, are you? Uh, 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 uh. I set you right up there, didn't I? There is a film called The Purge. Don't watch it. And the gist of the film is this. For, for, I think, a 24-hour period in America, there are no rules. So you can steal stuff, kill people, do whatever you want, and there's no rules. You can do it. There's going to be no comeback on it. And so basically, they they go into lockdown. They all just shut themselves into safe houses and the rest of it. But it's horrible. Why did I? Do you know when you watch the film at the end of it, why did I watch that? I spent a week repenting. But it was carnage. And so without boundaries, we could all agree that it would be carnage. So boundaries are good. One of the things that I discovered, and it really helped me, that was when I did some of my time sleeping out with the homeless people through the three-month period that we serve as as a church, um, the homeless people need boundaries. 
It's the thing they need most. Because whereas with us, we get up, we have breakfast, we go to work or school or college or whatever it be, we come up, we have structure. For these people, there is no structure. One day just rolls into the next, and they're just trying to get by. So when they come into an environment where they say, we are going to have some food and we're going to serve it between seven and eight, it's a boundary. They love it. And so when Marilyn, who's part of this church, uh, was, was overseeing the night, she was really fierce to the point I was a bit embarrassed. She was like, you're not going to do that. We're not doing that now. Now go to that section and you sit there. And I was like, oh dear, don't get the wrong side of Marilyn. And I asked her why she was so harsh. And she explained to me, when you spend enough time with these people, they actually respect the fact there are boundaries and it helps them. And I was like, wow, that, yeah, that helped me to understand some stuff. And so when we have boundaries, it helps us. Can I speak to the students for a moment? I've been a student. The trouble is with student life, there aren't many boundaries. How many of you spend more time awake after 12 p.m., 12 midnight, than you would if you were at home? Come on now. Do you know why? Because the boundaries aren't there. And so what happens is we become badgers. We start living at night. And I don't know why it happens, but it happens to most people. The boundaries aren't there. You live with your peers, and you all end up doing the same thing. And that party or that reading session, or, or whatever it was going to be that was going to finish at one, ends up finishing at three, four. And then the next day, you're so tired that you sleep through the day, and you missed your lectures, and you get to the next day, and you're so wide awake at night that you just flip it. And it's so easily done. I think it's very common, and the fact you're all smiling at me is true. But it's because there's no boundaries. But let me encourage you. God made day to be awake and night to be asleep. There's a good boundary right there. <laughs> Can I say relationships function better with boundaries? Sarah and I had the privilege of leading our marriage preparation course that we do for people who have been married in this church. And we just do loads of discussion because there's not necessarily right and wrong, black and white. Different things work well for different people. But the key is you need to agree. What are our boundaries? How are we going to function? Sarah and I, in our 18th year of marriage, still to this day, sit down and say, how's this month going to look? What pressures have we got? How are we going to function? What is my expectation of you and what's your expectation of me? Now, clearly, she doesn't have to have an expression because I'm that good. <laughs> but the point I'm making is we create healthy boundaries with a healthy expectation of each other so we function well. Do you understand it? So boundaries are good. This helps us flourish and therefore promotes joy. The boundaries are helpful. God knew this from the start. It's funny, that. And so often I think, particularly people who are unchurched, look in and have an opinion on church and an opinion on God and Christianity. And they will say things like, oh, it's just a bunch of rules. But we're missing the point entirely. Because primarily it's not a bunch of rules. The Ten Commandments, which be the one set of rules that people would point to, were actually part of a relationship proposal. I will be your God and you will be my people. Here's the boundaries where that will work best. And it interests me that we, we look at this as if it's a negative when actually it's a real positive. It allows us to function. Let's get the, the Ten Commandments on the screen. These are from Exodus 20. 
Here's the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Yeah, we picked up a really modern version. <laughs> Thou shalteth, noteth, taketh, the Lordeth's nameth in vaineth. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your dad and mum. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet your neighbor's house, wife, or possessions. Do you disagree with anything there? No, it's all good. So the thing that people say, oh, it's a bunch of rules, when you actually look at them, they're like, well, they're healthy. They're helpful. They enable me to function well. God is just promoting healthy life because he wants you to live a life of joy. He's creating boundaries which help us flourish. The boundaries are good. They are helpful to all of us. Now, if we look at these things through the eyes of thankfulness, which is where I want to take it, remember I'm God and be thankful for that. Because I love you. I've demonstrated my love to you in sending my son. And so when you remember me as God, you can be thankful. It says, don't create another idol. And you think, well, I don't do that. But let me tell you what I think some of the idols are today. Sport. Sex, money, power, we the position. We put things, oh, I'm going for that and I don't get who's in my way. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to sleep with more people, um, whatever it is. And we say, oh, I don't have any idols. But we do because we, anything we place before God becomes an idol. And so it's like God is saying, be thankful for who you are, how I've made you, where I've positioned you, and don't compete with me. Be thankful for that. Don't be jealous. These all come from jealousy. Why do people kill each other? Because something's gone wrong and I hate you for it, and so I'm going to do you. Why do we steal stuff? Why do we lie? Why do we want what someone else has got? And so I, I think ultimately the, the biggest thing that comes against thankfulness is that we're ultimately ungrateful for who we are and what we have. And yet God is saying, that's just not healthy. It is not going to lead to a place of joy. So when we start applying these, um, th these boundaries through the eyes of thankfulness, it's like, yeah, this is a healthy way to live. Take a day off. It's a good one. Be thankful. The Sabbath is made for you. Because God said, I needed to rest, and so you need to rest. So take a day off and be thankful that your God loves you enough for that. I love the way Solomon boils down some of these things in life. Now, Solomon, arguably the, the wisest man on the planet, but Jesus. And he just gets some great thoughts here in Ecclesiastes 3.12. He says this, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Well, that's easy. Why do we make our lives so complicated when this wise man says, just be happy and do some good stuff? Even I can do that. And it causes me to be thankful. So when I live within the boundaries, which are fair and helpful boundaries that God sets up for me, and then I'm happy with that and grateful and pursue good things, it releases joy in my life. But you know what? I get to choose. You get to choose. So my challenge to us as a church is, will you do the right thing? 
Live within healthy boundaries. Not because they're rules to restrict you, but because they're healthy boundaries to promote life. And it will help you. I say living within these boundaries is just helpful for our relationship with God. And allowing him into it enables him to cover you with grace for the times you don't get it right. You know, you can live within those boundaries and yet still not have a relationship with Jesus. But he stands at the door and knocks and says, I love you. I've given myself for you. Will you allow me in? Because my grace is sufficient for you. And grace is unmerited favor. Not you deserve anything, but I love you so much I'm going to give it to you anyway. And he comes into your life while you're doing your very best to live a good life. And I hope you do. But when you don't get it right, he just says, but I still love you. I've covered you in my grace. And come on, let's move forward. And let's be thankful. And let's stick to these boundaries because they promote life. I wonder if we could consider every decision, every thought process that we have in terms of what fruit is it producing? And decide that we're going to live and aim towards a place of joy. Is my attitude producing good fruit? Is my language, the stuff coming out of my mouth, producing good fruit? Are the people I'm hanging out with, the group I'm attached to, helping me to produce good fruit? Are my actions producing good fruit? When you start living your life through a thought process like that, it helps you to rein it in and create your own boundaries. What's healthy for you? And will you do the right thing and make a choice to promote joy in your life? Because you have a part to play. It's like we were in the service there earlier. It's a time where we sometimes you've got to push through some stuff. And sometimes the pushing is actually to restrain yourself. I'm not going to go and hang out with that group of people because when I get there, I always mess myself up. I'm not going to hang out and do that thing or watch that movie, The Purge, because it messes me up. And so I make a choice to do the right thing, which is a healthy boundary for me, and it promotes joy in my life. It's my choice. I love the way that Jesus just brought it all down, didn't he? Love God, love people. That sums the whole thing up. If you love God, then you can't have an idol. If you love people, you can't nick their stuff. It's just, it just, just boils down. And if you live within that lovely, very wide boundary, which is helpful to you, but then within that, start saying, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what I have. You know, do we hang out with the people who are going to talk about everyone else? The gossips. Now, I want to tell you that God hates gossip, but people love it. And when you get there, I know what it's like because I've been in that environment. They start talking about someone and you either find yourself excluded from the group or you enter into the group. And when you enter into the group, is it good for you? Is it going to produce good fruit? And if the answer is no, it's better not to be part of it. But that makes a choice for you. Will you do the right thing? Will you pursue joy? Because God can bless it. Now, I've honed in on thankfulness because it's so simple, yet we find it so difficult. Thankfulness will determine how you see people and treat people. And it will determine how you see God and treat God. Because ultimately, the only reason that you'd be jealous of what someone else has is because you're not grateful for what you have. And yet, it's so, so challenging. You know, one of the things I want to say is, we live in England. 
you know, we supported a Cambodian orphanage uh, some years ago. We actually built an extension to their orphanage, and it's an amazing time for us. And we sent some people to go and visit. And these kids have got nothing. You know, they've been abandoned by their families. They were either the wrong sex, or they couldn't feed them, and they just left them on the side of the road, and they were picked up by this amazing orphanage. And our people went there, and they came back, and they were so moved. And this is what moved them. These kids have got nothing, yet I've never seen people smile so much. And it's like, we come home to England, and we moan that our steak wasn't cooked right. We moan that the boiler broke down last night, and it's only 15 degrees in my house. We moan that someone spoke about me. How very dare they. And yet, these kids have got nothing... And they're getting up every day going, what are we going to do today? Yeah! And it's contagious. Couldn't we be God's kids? That get up in the morning and go, thank you for who I am. Thank you for what I've got. I'm not going to compare myself to that person or that person. I'm going to be me and I'm going to enjoy it. What are we going to do today? Because you know what? It will be contagious. People will look at you and go, wow, I'm such a moaning old what's it. Look at you. You're amazing. But that takes you making a decision to do the right thing. How about this whole idea of putting God first? Do we love God because he's healed my health situation? Or do we put God above our health situation and love him anyway and submit our health to his kingship and say, I love you. Whatever happens, I love you. I believe that positions us in a place of gratitude and it allows joy to flow. Because if we're saying, I love you because you're going to do this for me, isn't it creating health as an idol, putting that above God? See, it gets a bit skewed. So wherever you're at, whether you're in a desperate situation or whether you're flying high, how about submit to his kingship in every area of life and be thankful for who you are, who you're with, who you're planted with, being here today. You live in England. We have a great life. It's outrageous. I believe we're in the top 2% of wealth in the world. And yet we're a right bunch of old moaners. So turn to the person next to you and say, stop moaning. <laughs> Psalm 100 and verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, now, I love this because it starts to draw the line of how we enter God's presence. It's talking about coming into the tabernacle. So you'd walk into the tabernacle through the gates. And how do we enter? With thanksgiving. The first step towards the manifest presence of God is thankfulness. And we've got so much to be thankful about. And yet sometimes we don't even take the first step. I love it because nothing's changed in this picture. You enter with thanksgiving and praise. Do you know that's why we start like we do with a cheer and a shout and a clap and a dance? Because we're saying, thank you for loving me. I praise your name. We're taking the first step towards his presence. And then on the journey into the tabernacle, you come to the, to the altar where you slaughter your animal. But here we come to the place where we remember Jesus, who died for me and for you, once for all time. 
And then they go and they wash their hands because they're covered in the blood and they wash their hands at the laver. And we get the opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, come and enter my life. Cleanse me, purify me, lead me forward. You go into the place, the holy place. And I love it in our church services when we gather and we've been on that journey of, thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to take a moment and be quiet. We're going to remember your sacrifice. And then his presence comes. You ever felt the presence? The goosey bumps, oh, the tears sometimes will up. You just know God's in the room. It's because we went on the journey. And you know where it started? Thankfulness. So how about every day from here on in, since listening to this message, you wake up and your first thought is, thank you, Jesus, that I'm in a bed, that I've got a roof over my head, that I'm about to have some breakfast, that I've got an awesome wife next to me. I have hope in my day that I've got friends to go to. You've all got something to be thankful for. And what it does is it counteracts that idea of wanting what someone else has. I, I believe money is a huge one for us. We, I'm sure most of us here would like a bit more money. But I know people with money, and that carries its own pressures. Sometimes you've got so much money, or you're doing really well, but the job's stressful, or handling the money's stressful, or people put more demands on you because they think you can pay for them. So sometimes you hanker after the thing, and when you get there, it's not what you thought. But actually, if you started here at thankfulness, maybe God would take you on a journey to be able to handle the success because you're thankful. And so my encouragement to you today is be thankful. Go on that journey and begin there. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2 says this. I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a cry to intimacy. Do you know what? I don't know what it is you need in your life, but I know where the source is. When I lift my eyes up to my king, he helps me. And so we come into an environment like this, and we like to spur each other on and say, come on, church. Let's live within healthy boundaries. Let's create an attitude of thankfulness. But let's get intimate with the king every day. Because that's where the answers are. That's where the help comes from. Let's continually point each other to Jesus. Because life gets better in that place. I love that David wrote the majority of the Psalms. And it's just so awesome. Look at another couple. Psalm 30, 11 and 12 says this. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end of my, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. See, the essence of that is that it's been a difficult time. But out of praising you and thanking you, things have shifted. And we need to be people who can relate to that kind of stuff. Psalm 28 verse 7 says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. How about every single one of us have got something to be thankful for? How about when we come together for a praise session, we start going, yes, Jesus, thank you. Because you've helped me on my journey. This is a call to intimacy with the king. And I love the fact that it's David who writes this. And I believe we can all relate to him in one way or another. Here's David, the guy that was overlooked. God sends the prophet and says, go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And they bring out the sons. And he says, he's not here. 
because he was out in the field. They didn't even consider him. But he was out in the field developing his relationship with God. He was out in the field honing his skills of protection. No one saw it. And yet at the right time, everyone else backed down from the fight and David stepped up to the fight. And he supported the king and won a great victory for him. Only on the back of that for the very king he fought for to try and hunt him down and kill him. The guy lives like this. I wonder how many of us can relate to that. But he gathered great men around him. But then he commits adultery and has a child that dies. The guys had some horrendous experiences. But in it all, despite the low moments, as well as the high moments, he had a heart after the father. And he was made king. And it is him that writes these verses. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it wouldn't be Jesus then, but thank you, God, that you love me. I submit myself to you. I give you thanksgiving. I choose to live within the boundaries you set for my life. And it brings me joy. This is the guy writing this kind of stuff. In the busyness of it all and in the complications of life, in wrestling for something better, we are pointed to healthy boundaries. We are pointed to thankfulness. And we are pointed to intimacy with the Father. And when you put those steps in place, it will lead to joy. But we choose. No one can force you. God won't force you. He loves you too much. But will you do the right thing? This is a heart cry. This is a cry for people who say they love Jesus to live a life that loves Jesus. This is a cry that says, don't just know about me, know me. This is a cry to make life choices that say, I choose to live within the healthy boundaries, not because they're rules to restrict me, but because they're boundaries to help me flourish. This is a heart cry to say, Jesus, I'm all for you, and I thank you for who I am and what I have. And it leads to joy. This is a cry to stop looking around yourself at what everyone else has got and where everyone else is at and what everyone else is doing. Enjoy being you and be thankful. Because I believe God wants to lift the lid off some people here today. But it's only going to happen when you choose to do the right thing. Christian Keys. Just, um, I wonder if you stand for a moment, because I just feel like there's going to be a moment here. Jesus. Can we just take a moment, church? Let me just invite you just to close your eyes. I'm sure I've said lots that's challenging, stirring. But I come from a place that I so want to see you do well, church. I so want to see your life flourishing that joy would be your experience, not a concept.
just with everyone I close, I wonder, are there people here today who totally relate to the idea of, I, I find myself looking around, thinking, I haven't got what they've got. I haven't done what they've done. And I haven't really realized it, but there's a jealous streak developed in me. And I want to step away from it. If that's you, just give me a wave. We're going to pray for you. No one is going to see. Just me and you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Lots of people. Lord, I lift up those amazing people who are brave enough to say, that's me. Thank you that you love them. I just break that power of jealousy over your life right now in Jesus' name. And I speak peace to you. Be you. Enjoy being you. You're amazing. God crafted you from the beginning. He has good plans for you. Step into them. But you choose. You choose. Jesus. Jesus. Toyin earlier as she left Chris she's there Toyin I just feel like I've got a word for you and you can weigh it I just feel like God's brought you here this morning because he wanted to tell you that he's taking the lid off your life uh, I hope that means something to you but I feel like you've been you've been capped something's stopping you from going further and I believe the Father wants to reveal his heart to you to say, I'm uncapping you. I'm taking the lid off your life because there's more for you. And I want to encourage you to push for the more because there is more. And I don't want to pack it out more than that because you can weigh it up. But God is saying, I'm taking the lid off now. And I speak that over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just wonder, just again, if we can just keep our eyes closed for a moment, because it's just respectful for people. Are there people here today who, when listening to a message like that, you find yourself, I've lived so long outside of the boundaries. I've been doing things that I know aren't great, and I've somehow got myself into a cycle, and I beat myself up over it. But I want to say that you've come to church today and God is saying, let's make today a new start. How about from today we choose to do the right thing? But maybe it'd be helpful for you just to say, yeah, that's me. I want a new start today because I know that I've just been outside the boundaries for too long. Just give me a wave of that shoe. I know there's going to be people. Bless you there. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Lots of people. Bless you all. Bless you. You can put your hands down. That's brave. Father, I thank you for these amazing people. I want to tell you guys, you're forgiven. Stop beating yourself up because Jesus isn't beating you up. You're forgiven. But he's calling you back. He's saying, come and work within the boundaries. They will cause you to flourish. Make a good choice. Do the right thing. Take your life by the scruff of the neck because you can. So I speak peace to you but I speak strength 
and courage and determination to you to keep making the right choice, to keep doing the right thing. And I will celebrate with you when joy comes in the morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is there anyone here today who isn't right with Jesus? Maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've just got so far away from Jesus you forgot what that was like. It is today the day you want to put your heart right with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you in the middle of all of this. If that's you, give me a wave today. Bless you there. Is there anyone else? Don't miss your chance. Bless you there. Bless you at the back. Thank you, Jesus. That's three people I've counted. Want to be right with Jesus. So good. Let's pray a prayer together. Let's pray. I'll pray the line. You pray with me. Father God, thank you for loving me. Today, I choose to invite you into my heart to be my Savior, to be my Lord, to be my friend. Lead me forward. I choose to live within the boundaries. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. Can we just have one more minute? Don't want to miss anything. One of the most famous prayers that David prayed was, Search my heart, O Lord. And just if you're willing, all across the building, I wonder if you're willing to pray that prayer with me. Because I want to leave you in a better place than you came in. I want to leave you challenging yourself to be the best version of yourself and allowing God to propel you forward. So if you're willing to pray that prayer with me, I just invite you to raise both hands in the air right now because we're going to pray it together as a church so that we end up closer to Jesus, a better version of ourselves, challenging ourselves to do the right thing. Father God, you see the hands. As a church, Lord God, we say search our hearts. If there's any unclean thing, Lord God, help us to shift it. Empower us, Lord God, to make good choices. But Lord, we want to be more like you. We celebrate you, Jesus. We thank you for all you've achieved for us. And we choose to live the life you've called us to live. That your name would be famous. That our country, our world would be different. Because of the church, the living it like we mean it. And all God's people said...